And welcome back to a fresh episode of the Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com. And if you haven't yet, check out our weekly email where we share actual marketing tips, useful podcasts, free guides, resources, and much, much more to start your week off with a bang. Head over to businessgrowth.email. And with that said, today's guest is a returning one, a man who goes by the name of Mike Winnett. Mike's host over at viewsaremyown.social the online community to help you scale your business and make you less shit at sales and marketing. Mike, welcome back to the show, mate. How are you doing? Really good, mate. How are you? All good on this end. Yeah, yeah. Looking looking forward to having you back. You're doing well, aren't you? I see your YouTube channel. You've got some good videos on there. You deserve more views if that is a metric appreciate that, that you uh, measure success by. You put out some really good stuff. Nice of you to say. Yeah, for, I've really struggled with YouTube for some reason. The audio podcast does okay. That steadily grows. But for yeah. some reason, I've you've you've cracked it quite well. I know your YouTube channel's done pretty well in terms of the engagement views and such. But for some reason, like we we really struggle with the show and the uh, the views yeah. we get. Any idea why? No. That I'd love to know why. I'd love to get someone in that could say, "Look, Sam, if you tweak A, B, and C, this will this will kind of yeah. skyrocket your your views." But I'm yet to crack it's it. It's interesting you talk about that. That's one of the things I've been asked recently about growing a YouTube audience and how important it is for business. And yeah. I've got uh, Paddy Galloway. Have you ever heard of him on Twitter? I haven't actually. No. Uh, brilliant. He works with some of like, the biggest creators and he goes right. through their account and he tells them you know, what they could do differently. It's huge. So working with him, Paddy Galloway, or um, check him out. Um, weirdly, he sent me a a dm today on twitter but yeah so check him out oh, right. and he will be able to help you yeah yeah maybe so there's a couple of people show. can help you do that but yeah no he'd be a great guest for you that'd be awesome yeah perhaps we can get paddy on get him to do a live audit of my channel and uh, just scrutinize yeah. it to hell awesome yeah, yeah that'd be good be good win cool win. man so when we when we had you last time we talked all about how you grew your business how you scaled it the ups and downs the tips and i believe you, you sold it off in the end was it eight million or something like that yeah Eight million nice. pound sale, and that's when uh, the trouble started. <laughs> and since then, a lot lots happened. But today, we're going to be focusing on basically sharing tips around how how our listeners, how our watchers, can sh- grow their audience online. So, first and foremost, Mike, what does growing an audience online really mean? Well, ideally, what you want to do is to have more of your ideal client following your content. Um, be part of that journey where they're learning something from you, getting value from you. But you want them to, you want to be front and center uh, on the social platforms they hang out. So you want more of the people you want to do business with to yep. be um, following you on social media channels. And if you can crack that part by growing a substantial number of people that are interested in what you do and you solve a pain point that they've got and then marry that with marketing to those people better in the places that those people hang out and then the final thing being able to convert that traffic into cash which is why we are all doing this stuff yeah uh, then if you if you can marry those three things then you're pretty it's going to be hard for you to fuck it up really so that's yeah. that's what it means to me it's growing that audience of people that want to do business with you uh, marketing to those people better and then being able to close or convert those leads and that audience into uh, paying customers makes sense and we'll That's break it. down these topics in a bit and is this something growing an audience that any business can really do or is it quite limited to like coaches or consultants or people in tech industries are there so, limits uh no not really like any business can grow an audience I would actually say it's probably harder if you're a blue chip company to grow right. an audience um, away from the brands. But for a lot of people, those sort of employee advocates, if you've not, if you don't want to do it yourself, but also being the MD, the founder, the CEO, whatever it might be, whatever you want to call yourself, it's I think imperative for you to be a visible, um, identifiable, recognizable face, head of a tribe, head of a community. Um, that grows its own audience. Um, yeah. and, and especially if you're an employee, so I don't want to bang on about personal brand or anything like that, but that sure. is key. Uh, now, um, I've seen someone that's done a test recently where they um, basically, instead of posting on their business accounts online, whether it be on Twitter or on um, Instagram or LinkedIn, 
they yeah. split the same content across five of their employees and um there's 200 more engagement on the same content when you use those people so it's huge really and, and people prefer that really that wasn't that yeah i can't remember the name that um that white label company where they because i saw a company without going off on too much of a tangent i saw a i think they're like a similar agency to us but they white label basically digital marketing services and i remember yeah. seeing a post from his him and he basically said we're going to take over linkedin this month whatever that means and then um got all of his employees to share the same post and basically see how much reach they could get with literally all their staff on linkedin posting the same post is that is that the one or was it someone else uh, someone else someone else oh, okay yeah, it wasn't that. but yeah so 200 percent increase but yeah so there you go so if you can build your audience around that i think a lot of people um build audiences that aren't going to benefit them long term like or they right. or they confuse that or they've got an um too many followers on an account i'll tell you who's done it quite well recently so take leah turner as an example she had an instagram account thousands of followers on there but it was from different parts of, and different times in her life so now when leah does uh linkedin training that audience isn't really following Leah for that type of content for the most part. She might have had 10,000 followers that aren't following her for LinkedIn tips or growing their audience. So while she's got a big audience, that wasn't right for what she's um, selling. So if you look what she's okay. done, she's actually started a fresh, clean LinkedIn account, uh, sorry, not LinkedIn account, um, Instagram account. Right. Called, like Leah does, Leah does LinkedIn and she's growing a new engaged audience that wants the core products and the content to consume the content that she's now producing so she's she's realized that a big audience doesn't necessarily mean um the right audience if you want to make money from it interesting you you mentioned yeah. just now something about short term and long term with your audience growth yeah tell us a bit more about what you mean there uh well so Short-term growth is just like getting people that follow you the back off, um, say, one viral post or one viral tweet. That's very short-term. That's short-termism. That's probably not really beneficial. What you want to do is build, doesn't necessarily build slowly, but you want to build somebody that is interested in the bulk of your content. Because you could do like a rogue um, tweet that bangs, it gains you 10, 15, 20,000 new followers. But if that's the only thing that they followed you for, it's kind of irrelevant. You almost want to just have steady progression, I think. Build the right type of audience that enjoy the bulk of your content and would benefit from the pain point that you saw. Yeah, yeah. So rather than just, just putting... So here's one. an example. I grew an audience on YouTube, nearly 90,000. Follow me on there. Still do. I've not put any content out there for eight months. That audience on there probably enjoys either being entertained possibly learning something they are probably not going to buy a product if i suddenly launched a broadband company let's just say or a broadband offering and then i went to that audience and said buy my broadband audience uh, buy my broadband product mm -hmm. i guarantee that 99.99 percent of those people aren't going to buy that product so while i built an audience it is the wrong audience for what i want it to do so yeah. Essentially, I've built an audience of cynical people that think that online training is a scam. They think that Ty Lopez is a bit of a dick and they're probably not going to purchase anything that I put out there that was remotely like, say, training or online learning or coaching or any of these things. So that's the wrong audience for the wrong product. So building an audience to me is building a good audience, like a small, engaged community that uh, will benefit from the products that you sell. Let's strip this back a bit. So for anyone yeah. tuning in that's thinking, I want to get stuck into this, I want to build up my own audience because this sounds pretty pretty useful. What are some of the first things, before we start picking platforms and whatnot, what are some of the first things that you should have in your mind that you need crystal clear before you actually get into any tactics or strategies in terms of kind of this is the people that I want to build in my audience and, and any other initial thoughts? Yeah, so what problem do you fix, first of all? Like what problem do you fix? And then you'd look at, so if that's the problem I fix and that is the answer to a question, what questions are people asking that I want to be answering? 
So as soon as you can identify those things, then you can see, right, so what type of person asks those questions or what type of person, um, what specific type of person that asks those questions do I want to work with? So it's it's cliched basic stuff. If any of this stuff sounds confusing, it's like you've got, but it's like you've got to identify your ideal client, but then it's got to be like, what questions are your ideal client asking? Right, yep. What answers have I got? So as soon as you've got that, that's clear, you can work back from that and say, right, so where do these people hang out? Yeah, and then build your communities on those different places. I've started from scratch again on. Yeah, uh, so I've started uh, completely brand new on Facebook this week. Never been on Facebook before. Look, um, started on um, Facebook, so I'm now going to build a, an engaged audience on that platform from scratch. On Twitter, um, I never really used Twitter. I had set up Twitter in like 2018. Never really used it. Um, but now I'm following a process to grow my Twitter audience, a step-by-step -step process, uh, recording it all, seeing what works, what didn't. And then that's something I'm sharing. I will be sharing next month with uh, the views on my own um, community as well. So I'm doing this from scratch. And I know people might say, oh, well, but you had an audience of 200,000 on YouTube and on LinkedIn. Um, but I built them from scratch, but I'm starting from scratch. And I'm also testing this with um, some people's accounts that haven't got any followers as well to see if it's possible to do it. If you've not got a sort of catalog of content like I've got. Yeah. So I'll be able to got report it. back with my findings soon. Tell you what, yeah. what worked, what didn't. And if it's yeah, better man. or worse than my bigger communities that I've built. Interested to see it, especially Facebook. That'll be interested to see how that goes. Um for anyone that's kind of tuning into this and thinking, well, there's a few problems that I think I fix and there's a few people or kind of personas that could be my target client. Have you got any quick tips when it comes to actually nailing down these are the main problems we fix, these are the main people that we well, serve and we shouldn't focus things. on anything else? Well, think of one thing first and just be known as that guy and that's the anchor then. Like there's, like, every... So I don't know probably a shit example, but Nike, Nike sell lots and lots of products, but they market to a different demographic slightly differently. So you've got the, mm -hmm. uh, they do running, running stuff, they do football boots, whatever. So they do slightly different marketing messages to different audiences, but it's still Nike. So you can do that. And if you're a business and you've got different employees, you could be smart or, or you could have different people in your management team, almost like being the advocate or the, the voice for, that individual um part of the business you, you want them to be known for but i would say always just just own one thing really well and then you can upsell things and introduce other concepts and stuff to your clients that have already purchased from you because it's easier to sell to somebody that has already parted money with you before that's an easier sale than trying to convince so if you're not clear and uh, like straightforward and easy to understand in your market message it then gets convoluted so it's difficult so you don't really want to try and say, well, I do this, but I also do that. I also do this. I also do that. It makes it very difficult. People are simple. You've got this problem. This is what you need to fix it. Do you want it fixing? Yes or no? It's it's that simple. So that's what you need to do. I would say go and own one thing. So when I did it quite successfully with Learning Heroes, it was saving the world from boring e-learning. We didn't just do e-learning modules. We did reading materials, we did animated explainer videos, we did lots of different types of learning content. However, my tagline or the thing I was known as was saving the world from boy and learning boy. There are yeah. catchier names than that, but that is what you want to do. Now it is a bit gimpy sometimes to be known as the, the ex boy or the ex girl, whatever, but it works, it works. And it makes it very easy for your audience to understand then take that a step further. Then your profile and your account needs to then tell people what to expect from you. So if you are building your audience, be clear on who it is that you want to speak to, what problem it is that you fix. You make content to get people to come to your profiles. Essentially, you put that out and you hope that enough people engage with it, that then other people like them see that content. It resonates with them. That might be the first time they've discovered who you are. So then they'll click back onto your profile. So that's how come like your bio is so important, your profile is so important, and the other content you've got on your um, page. And that's any any page on any of your social media platforms is so important. Because now 
if that content now either removes, say, um, a sales objection I might have, so it removes an objection I might have, or it takes me further down a buying process, I become self-qualifying and I almost answer my own objections before I even get in touch. So it then makes it very easy to sell to. They've heard you, they understand your, they, they like the cut of your jib, they like what you're about, they, they trust you, whatever it might be, you've given value. That's how it yeah. works. And then... Good. It's Just clearing that back a bit. Problem. So what you, what you said makes sense. So basically, rather than trying to pick a bunch of problems, pick a bunch of idle clients, say, look, let's start with one, like you did in your past business, Learning Heroes, start yeah. one crispy issue that you know is going to resonate with the people you want to sell to. So I actually, yeah. I was listening to a um, podcast, a guy called Louis Grenier, I think it is, Everybody Hates Marketers, and he talked about something called the iceberg effect. And yeah. it's basically like when you often head head on to bad websites homepage, they're trying to sell you everything and anyone. Like a, a good example in my industry is digital marketing companies that say they do everything under one roof. Like they'll do your photography, their videos, your influencer marketing, your websites, your SEO, your paid ads. And you're like, I'm so confused. You're saying you do everything, but you've got like three staff. How the fuck are you going to manage all this? Um, yeah. And it's just like, just confusing. You're losing. So it was, he talks well, take about it, take it, take it. Like I am productions is very similar. So we could do video packages. We could do brand videos. We can do animations. We can do monthly video packages and monthly subscription. And we had almost too many products since stripping yeah. it right back to saying we are the explainer guys. If you've got something that you need explaining, we can make an animated explainer video to do that for you. Literally by going with one product, we can still do all the other stuff, but now literally leading with that one product has meant that we now get a, a better quality of conversation when we do speak to people and it's easier to market that to people. So it's yeah. you just want to really be known as the one thing. Yeah, that's it. Well, it's, yeah, it's like, so, and if people land on your, your marketing material, whether that is your website or something else in your, your LinkedIn page and you're trying to push all these things, like you say, you're not going to be remembered because you're trying to yeah. clutter them with too like many now things. Now I, I don't confusing. even, on my Twitter, on my Twitter, I don't mention uh, my YouTube channel. I've not got a link to my YouTube channel. I do that. Some people mention it to me. On Facebook today, someone sent me a message saying, didn't you used to make videos about entrepreneurs? Like, yeah, I still do. But that isn't what I want you to know me for right now. Yeah. So, I used to sell right. e-learning. No one remembers me in a cape. <laughs> I was wearing one earlier, funny enough, to, to shoot a new yeah. video, but that's, that's going to launch in a couple of weeks. So we've, we've now down kind of the problem that the target client, you were getting into some tactics then, but I guess before we talk about certain strategies and putting this into play to actually attract the people we want to attract, how should we go about selecting, I guess, the platforms? Is that the next step, Mike, to select the platforms that we actually use to get this message in front of target customers? Is that is that what's next? Or Well, well yeah, it is next, um, but it's an obvious one, isn't it? Like where do your ideal client hang about, go there. Guess what happens? If you hang around in the places that your ideal client hang around, then you're more likely to do business with them. So just do some research and find out where your ideal clients hang out. Now, I think some people rush to try and have to be omnipresent across all social media platforms because they think they have to, but I don't think you need to. Like Focus on your main platform. So when I was doing the Mike Winnit um, stuff, my main platforms were LinkedIn. And that was when I was using LinkedIn before Mike Winnett as well for my business. It was LinkedIn. And then I also had a split with YouTube and Instagram. They were the three platforms I used. I didn't really use Twitter at all. Didn't use Facebook um, at all. And it meant that I could really focus on one and make that the majority, like the, the main focus of how I acquired clients or where I attracted clients. Yeah. Do you think three is about right? Uh, I mean, there's no right or wrong answers to that. Each business will be different, but for me, sure. three work perfectly, and I could split my time across that, across those numbers, uh, across yeah. those platforms, um, and the results, the results were similar as well. So, weirdly, the one that I spent and engaged with on mo engaged on most, uh, was the one that I got most of my leads from. Yeah. So, do that till you've yeah. nailed it, and then what used to happen on LinkedIn? I could pretty much post anything and it would get hundreds of views, thousands of likes because you've kind of broke, you've done the craft. You've got to almost do your best content when no one's watching, no one's looking. It's, it's a horrible thing to say. So you've almost got to do your best work and you're not going to get the rewards and the appreciation you deserve for it. You've got to do that. Um, but 
this is where you'll win. Most people won't do that. Most people quit after doing, oh, I've been, I've done this for two weeks and I've not had a thousand views. I've not had a thousand likes. And I'm like, quit then. And that the, the people that don't quit are the ones that, you know, usually are more successful at that platform than anybody else. That long-term also, mindset. Yeah, of course, of course. With 60 to 70% of their inbound demo requests never making it to a book meeting, Brian Schuler, ABM and Marketing's Operation Manager at SAS Optics, knew a change was needed. Their inbound scheduling process required sales development reps to go back and forth with prospects to qualify and schedule a meeting before they ever spoke to an account executive. Brian implemented Chili Piper's concierge solution, allowing inbound prospects to book a meeting time in the correct account exec's calendar immediately after filling in a demo request form. Behind the scenes, Chili Piper qualified the lead, routed it to the correct account exec, and booked the meeting in their calendar. Since implementing Chili Piper, they've seen a booked rate on inbound demo requests increase from 40% to 90%, meaning four times more sales meetings and double the amount of inbound pipeline per month. Book your free customized demo today at chilipiper.com. That's C-H-I-L-I-P-I-P-E-R.com. Are you tired of competitors stealing your traffic, leads, and sales all because they're higher on Google? Maybe you're investing in paid ads but want to enjoy the benefits of organic SEO, meaning free traffic and inbound customers and not having to pay Google for every single click. Or perhaps you're running SEO and ads, but your website is failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a steady flow of qualified sales leads. Any of this sound familiar? Let the team at WebChoice fix that for you. Book a free consultation today at webchoiceuk. Dot com. That's webchoiceuk.com. So what I'm curious to know from you, Mike, is uh, as you've shared, you've had success with your last business. You're growing a new business now. In terms of the actual content that you put out, what are some ideas that you can share around making sure your content's actually going to resonate with the I, the people you want to attract basically well it's again it's easy like so if you're on the phone in your business or you speak to, there's two types of people you will either speak to existing customers or potential customers prospects ask or just listen to what questions you are being asked by those people if you get asked the same questions multiple times in a day or a week you should make content on that topic answering that question why? For two re- well, there's two reasons. Number one, you know it is a blockage stopping somebody from purchasing from you. So make content for it. Put that out in the places people are looking to answer, for these questions to be answered. And already you've removed an objection, given them value, and they trust you because you're not asking for a sale at that point when it's discoverable content, right? So that's now removed. But then also why it's good you've now got a piece of content that you can always refer to. So if you do follow up emails or proposals, you can embed those videos in your proposals now where it's like, we spoke about yield or ROI. Here it is explained. And it can be, so how does ROI work? And you can have videos made on all these things that you would normally explain. So that's a great way of scaling your sales team without the cost. So what you're effectively doing there is you are creating pitch perfect salespeople that only talk to your ideal client in the places they are hanging out and are looking for answers to a very specific question. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. if you don't do this, basically. So in Learning Heroes, we had th- at the very end, we had 340 corporate clients. I only got clients from um, LinkedIn at the time, putting content on LinkedIn and then putting that content on YouTube. Um. I was the only salesperson in that business until six months before we sold. And that was because I was thinking of then selling the business and I wanted to replace myself in the business to make that sale easier to negotiate. So how I managed to do that was it was hard graft in the first 12 months, but then it reached a tipping point. As I'd been making content, answering all the questions I would get asked on the phones, 
I started getting asked fewer and fewer questions because people had seen or found this content that answers that question before they spoke to me. So eventually I became an order taker. And for a startup business with only one salesperson, that's the dream. Because essentially I had hundreds of pitch perfect salespeople doing all the graft for me before I ended up speaking to people. And that's how come the model worked quite well. We could stay lean and then we could sell the business quite quickly. Two and a half yeah. years later for eight million pounds. Yeah. I mean, I'll and you don't have the headache of commission, brown brogues, no socks. Salespeople are difficult by nature. I know I am one. I'm one of the most, I am, I would be a very difficult employee. I could imagine you would be. Um, yeah, I, I can sit, speak with similar experience. I mean, for, for link, take LinkedIn, for example, I've been, I don't know how long I've been posting content, year and a half, two years consistently, pretty much every day. And now it's got to the point when I do get inquiries, yes, you still get tire kickers every now and then. But quite a high majority of the, the people that actually message me have been following my stuff for ages. So they know that I know my stuff when yeah. it comes to websites or SEO. And they're almost almost already bought in, so I don't have to. Well, well they run have a because they trust you. They know you, the, so they know what they're getting. So this is that, that's the thing. That's why it's, it's it's great. But also, even hiring people. So if you're hiring someone for your business, yeah, they've already decided that they know the culture, the voice, the tone, because they've seen all your content. So they've got a good idea of what they let themselves in for. Do you yeah. see what I mean? Anybody applying to work for VaynerMedia knows what's expected there because gary puts out 500 videos a day that's like, good do you know what i mean i'm not saying so it's it's a good tool for hiring and your business but it's also a great tool for um increasing the number of pre-qualified leads that that ring your business to work for you because it is a, a sales team it's the cheapest most um easy to manage sales team you'll ever have in your business because it's just you multiplied yeah yeah so yeah. So okay. that's why it's good. And here's an example. So we've um, so I've got Iron Productions, which is a content creation company, by the way. Um, but that is um, we had a client that's talking to Ian today to do an animated explainer video for a crypto platform. Sure. To explain how it works, and they had seen a video we made about crypto in 2019 so they saw that video three weeks ago so in 2019 wow, okay. we made a video this company have seen it three weeks ago that company wasn't around in 2019 liked it liked how it worked liked how we spoke about crypto has now come to, if we can help them with an explainer video to explain how their platform works so that's yeah. the power of something a couple of other because things that, that is the right content in the right place that your ideal client is looking yeah, kind of leads me on to the next point as well. So you were saying basically pick, create content that is common questions, objections, queries on sales calls. But it doesn't have because... to be, yeah, common is in like frequently asked, yes. Yeah. Like not yeah, common yeah. is in like the niche of the better, weirdly. And people get confused with what if it doesn't get many views? It doesn't matter. If it gets 100 views, but it's a, such a niche question, how qualified does that person have to be to search that question? Like that's the thing that some people... Yeah, get wrong. And that goes back to that building the audience I was saying at the beginning. We're having 100,000 people watching generic content isn't as valuable in my mind as having a really well-defined, clear audience getting the content that they specifically serves the problem that you solve and that they're looking for. There's also two other advantages to creating that kind of content I found. One is it helps your SEO a bit. So if people are actually typing yeah. that directly into Google, they might see your YouTube video, your blog article, your resource, your podcast on it. And secondly, if you've got a sales team, it saves them time. So if you find you're getting this question like from clients every week, that's what I was saying. you can literally exactly just say, that. I'm going to shoot you this DM, I'm going to shoot you this email with this link to this YouTube video, this guide, and it's going to guide you through the exact steps. Yeah. It's that's what I mean. It also is also good for, like I said, proposals and follow up emails. Like, here's the five things we spoke about. You're not going to remember all those things, especially if it's a technical sale, let's just say. So, yeah. having four or five videos in there that's almost like, here's that thing that we spoke about that you might not 100% remember. When mm. it goes back to the key decision makers, they've got less shit to remember. And it also makes it an easier, but also it shows that you, you know what you're talking about. Weirdly, that uh, oh, I can't say, I can't say, but I was having this <laughs> discussion with somebody. I was I was having a discussion with somebody today online, yeah. Um, that said like Google's the main thing, and I was saying, but if you're not marrying Google and YouTube together, 
you kind of like working with one arm tied behind your back or you shoot yourself in the foot a tiny bit. You know, I don't feel like they believed me, but yeah, it's just Less it's just so. my experience of my own experience and also doing this for hundreds of businesses, not just one yeah, person, yeah. like one business. So cool. Well, that's helpful. We won't focus on LinkedIn too much because we've got a bunch of episodes on LinkedIn with people like Jared Best, Michael, Daniel Disney, Justin Welsh, and, and loads more that you can check out on Business Growth Show. But I'm curious, was it was just two... weirdly at the end of the month? Oh, yeah. What on your yeah, podcast? About, uh, no, no, in uh, views of my own. I'm talking about oh, yeah, yeah. growth. I'm following, I'm following actually his process at the moment. Really simple four step process to grow your audience. Interesting well, guy, maybe... isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In... I mean, he's he's done very, very, very well in terms of his yeah. LinkedIn growth and a few other channels. So perhaps you can share that in a set. But yeah, I'm interested. Was the two other channels you said you used for your past business, was it twin, Twitter and Instagram? Was it Twitter, Insta, and YouTube? I can't remember what th- you said. There was three. Uh, so no, so it was LinkedIn, yeah, YouTube, and Instagram. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's I've... let's touch on YouTube and then perhaps Insta for a bit because I mean those are like I say channels that I haven't done anything on Instagram myself and YouTube. We haven't shared much on either on the show. So any kind of best practices that you've found for those two channels that we could share. We don't have to go so I only used detail. I only used YouTube at the time to um, just as somewhere to keep my video content, just another place to hold my video content. And then once I learned that you know people use YouTube, it's the second most searched website in the world for questions and problems about business. So why wouldn't you be on there? Which is that's kind of the argument I was having earlier today. Um, yep. So then once you understand that, and it's similar to Google, you start doing SEO and the tags on your videos, and you really are very specific in the questions and the content um, that you're answering. Then that's why they should be on there. So. Um, there is there is no sort of secret to it. You just make content for your tribe or your audience or your ideal client, and they will naturally find that. I mean, I would say just posting and putting those videos on there is probably more important at this stage than trying to work out a hack to get an extra 0.3% engagement on your thumbnails. You know, that's you know, probably trying to run before you can walk. So... Yeah. Uh, no, there is no secret. Just make content and put it on YouTube because you're going to be linking people to that anyway. So that's how you grow that audience. Yeah. And then hopefully one video will get picked up by the algorithm and it will show you to more people that are interested in that product. That's kind of what happened with one of my videos. Makes which sense. is weird because it, it didn't get many views in the first four months. It is strange how that can happen. I've had that on a few. Well, literally they've been hardly any views to start with and maybe a year down the line they've just suddenly picked up out of nowhere i've got a couple that have just really really old episodes on the podcast and they've just suddenly shot up and it's like why the hell and that's but that's the key and that's kind of what i'm trying to say we're posting online every day say just on linkedin every day writing a yep. post it's empathy thursday it's you know show some vulnerability tuesday where you're following the same formula that's cool for building a brand getting views but um it's not searchable. Nobody's searching for your ideal client isn't searching for how did you cope when your cat got run over in 1997? No one's searching for that shit. Actual, I'm from a purely business perspective. However, if you want the content on in other places where your ideal client are asking. So I think I call that disposable content. It's not bad. That's not in a, in a negative uh, way, by the way, it's cool for visibility, building a brand and, getting massive eyes on your stuff. Yeah. However, you need to use this sort of evergreen lead generating sales content effectively if you want to be successful. And that's on any platform because you can repurpose that on all platforms. But that's the content that in the hour of need, when your ideal client has got that problem that you solve, that's what they are looking for. So make it, make it once, get paid on it many, many times. It's, a better investment of your time. If you've only got three hours to make content every month, I would suggest you made one or two videos that you know are still going to be generating your business in one year's time, two years' time, three years' time. Got it. That is my uh, that is my tip. What if you haven't got a, haven't got a clue what that is or what it should look like or what it should be called, speak to I Am Productions. There's a plug for my own business there, because there you go. that's 
It works. What about Instagram? And Instagram. Like... Common mistakes people make on that platform is they think if they are in marketing, they will then hashtag marketing on their content. Like it's the most stupid thing ever. You're now competing with people with huge audiences. Your content won't get seen. If people are following that hashtag or searching that hashtag because it's used so many times. So I I did okay on Instagram. Got to about 10,000 followers. It got hacked and deleted, so I've never bothered starting it again. But I got to 10,000 followers in less than a year. What I realized and understood about hashtags and the strategy was hashtags are great if it's specifically for you. Now you're thinking, oh, but nobody searches for that. No, but once you start building your community, your community will then start using your hashtag. So it's, it is supposed to be like niche. It is supposed to be more. But if you think of it as a sort of, I used to think of Instagram as the football league. You are yep. starting in the conference. So what you want to do is you want to look at what other accounts with say less than 500 followers, look in your niche, what hashtags they're using. And you want to okay. almost go for niche versions of those hashtags. Once you start winning the battle in your league, you can start going up the leagues. And then once you've got 5,000 followers, so you go from 500 to 5,000, I would say you've gone up a league. You can start now competing for slightly bigger, more competitive hashtags and start winning that battle. Get your audience up to 10,000, then you can start going after. So it's you you win Instagram, in my opinion, in increments. What people fa fail to realize is that is the process and it's a long-term game. But... Uh, they fail to realize they think well well i know um there's 2. there's 27 million posts on marketing so i'm just going to use marketing as my hashtag because it's a popular hashtag yet yeah, no it's a popular hashtag used by other people it means that the chance of your content seat being seen through that hashtag you're not going to be on the top 9 squares for that hashtag because they favor the bigger accounts with millions of followers so you're kind of wasting hashtags in my opinion actually got yeah. something coming about hashtag strategy in, tw in 2022 and how to use it to your advantage um that's coming in two weeks time on views my own so yeah uh which is which will obviously benefit okay. some of the people that are trying to grow an audience on on those platforms and that, yeah, that yeah, hashtag that... strategy i would say on instagram is something i think it's the biggest misconception ever people just think bang content marketing marketing strategy marketing strategy uk marketing uk they just think but it, it, it's it's a wrong way of doing it. Yeah, no, I've never really used Instagram that much myself, so I was quite curious to see kind of what you recommended, what's worked for you. Um, yeah, it, it's all right. You know, TikTok's something that I've got a brand new account for for uh, views my own, but that's I, I I want to test stuff. What I find with a lot of sort of business communities or. Um, groups on how to grow your audience on say if it's on LinkedIn or if it's on the the problem is a lot of these people are just talking at the community saying just do this but I want to actually try these things so if somebody does something that I've never heard of and says it works I want to try it myself and the reason why it's called views my own are I will try the thing for a month two months three months and see what it says reveal the results I got and then get experts in to actually give their genuine views on that process, why it works, why it didn't work, what's their opinion on it, is there other things that we need to do? And I think that's kind of a big USP for what we're doing. You know, a lot of people don't do that. You know. So the channels we've talked about, Mike, mm -hmm. of uh they're by YouTube, they're pretty much you could argue YouTube is a bit social, but they're pretty much all social platforms. Yeah. Just to tear a hole in the strategy, they're all effectively rented land in the sense that the companies that control the social platforms could at any time flip them from being free to use to pay yeah, to that's, play. Yeah, that's a massive thing. I know that. Kill the algo. So is spending all your time on whether it's two, three, one social platforms, a risk in the sense that everything could be lost. Yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. That's why your ultimate goal is to is to drive them to your own mailing list or your own website. That's the ultimate goal of anything. Yeah. You, you yeah, want yeah. your audience to actually, instead of thinking, 
I want to find Mike Winnett stuff, so I'm going to go on LinkedIn to find it. They go on to MikeWinnett.com. That's not a real website, by the way. But they'll go on, and that's where I find his stuff. That's your ultimate goal. So that's the smart play. Now, a lot of people don't do that. And that's how come you see a lot of, as soon as Facebook decide they're going to change the rules or they pull your account. Like, look at me, I lost a 90,000 LinkedIn account. Um, that would put a lot of people's businesses under. Imagine if your business was growing an audience, like it was based, I don't know, say LinkedIn training is a perfect example and all of your audience is on LinkedIn. If they pulled your account, you're fucked. Yeah. So the smart move is, number one, have multiple platforms so you've got a big audience. So if you do lose a chunk, it's not all of them. Luckily, I had other than almost 90,000 accounts on different platforms. So there will be a lot of crossover on those 90 as well. So I'm not going to go, oh, that's 200,000 people or whatever it might be. Probably sure. 130,000 people, some duplicates. But if you you know, put your eggs in a few different baskets, that kind of protects you to a certain degree. But your ultimate goal is to have your own platform. Yeah, so that's, that is that's what, what you want to do. Mailing That's what list. I was getting at, really. Yeah, whether that is, yeah. like you say, an email list or your website or something you literally own or control that you can guide people to. So like you say, if one of the social channels takes a hit, exactly, you know you've got other channels that you own, control, or you own assets. Yeah, so, so there's, that, there's that if it's you on your own. But if you're in a business, you also, another way of splitting that risk would be having two or three or four or five, depending on how big you are, individuals building their own tribe in your niche that work in your organization so say if jack bainbridge accounts gets pulled for iron productions then we've got haven't seen Christian's a place from account, him or we've got um he's over there actually uh <laughs> he's busy too busy to post now but yeah um, yeah so uh so jack's like doesn't do banners anymore he does animations and the animations he's doing are unreal um nice. so yeah it's higher value products more labor intensive but but it was also yeah but so the point is that's another way of sort of nullifying that risk or spreading that risk is having multiple people in your business that are well known and also built up an audience yeah yeah, yeah, yeah but like... you are right 100 percent. get people onto your own platform so and especially with the way that a lot of these platforms are going now the fact that you can get banned from certain platforms for saying something innocuous like say elf porn or something like that and that's the reason they'll pull your account with ninety thousand followers on number one it's ridiculous but number two the fact that that exists now and there is a sort of anonymously report people and a lot of it is because people are a bit i don't like a different opinion so i'm going to report that whether it's right like that there's a huge difference with that it's a dangerous dangerous thing to try and grow your audience just on one platform so yeah you want people to follow you separately so i've started that myself um, let's um let's go into the next topic i guess which is so we've shared kind of how you can think about who your target audience is what the problem is you solve how you can create content to appeal to them how can we then this is probably going to link in nicely with kind of using multiple platforms and not relying necessarily on rented social channels. How can we then leverage our audience to get some cash out of them to generate some revenue for our business? Uh, well, you give them value. On, you know, give them value. Sort of tell them what they need to do to sort of solve the pain point that you fix. I find what works is give them a, enough information and help so they can try and do it themselves. But inevitably, people would rather outsource this stuff and would rather pay someone to do it because that's what they are an expert in or that's what so that's how you do it basically just you know it was i've, I've quoted him once i'll quote him again gary v jab 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 right hook isn't it it's just that just give value give value give value help people help people help people then inevitably when it does come to will you want to use us to this or will you buy this product people feel like they've already had the money's worth from you anyway so it's quite easy really or make it a no-brainer offer in learning heroes it was you know we had a better offering than everybody else and offered it at a price that nobody could even get close to because we we offered a new a different way of billing and um uh, invoicing our clients cancel any time no long contracts so what we were doing at that time wasn't really possible so it's just that 
yeah. treat people how you would want to be treated, give them a great uh, level of service, give them loads of value. So it becomes a no brainer decision. You know, well, why do, why do people, why do people travel hundreds of miles to use John stone and, um, gorilla tires or stone tires because he gives a great service at a great price. He, you know, he puts out valuable content. Do you know what I mean? Like he's the, the person you go to if you want tires in the Northwest. I know people that travel up from Leicester and um, places like Leeds and stuff just to get there. There's loads of places that are cheaper, but because John has invested in content, puts out good content, clearly passionate about what he does, gives loads of value, unrivaled customer service. Um, that's why. That's why they use him. Don't know if he's saying this, but he's a, a good bloke. Good bloke and he's nailed it. And And how many tire changing companies are there in the UK? But he's the only person I think of when it comes to tires. And that's ahead of all the big corporates. Yeah, have to check him out. So what do you think is a better play in terms of if you're creating content, do you do, like you said, the Gary V jab, 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 right hook, where you might do, I don't know, five or six posts that you put out or whatever the platform is or videos or pieces of content and then you do an ask like you say look we've got this offer on xyz or we're doing this or discuss book a discovery call books with consultation call or do you then reach out to people that are potential clients that have shown an interest or thirdly do you perhaps post a link to encourage people to sign up to your newsletter or download your ebook or all three yeah, so the answer is all three. This is one thing that frustrates me sometimes with business people where they want the one definite answer. You know, is it social selling or is it getting on the phone and outbound? It's both. It's both, mate. You know, do you craft a gym body through good nutrition or working out? It's both. Like, you've got to do both. But you've got to be good at both and you've got to do both at the right time. So both are important in those examples I've given, all three are, uh, are used and are useful tactics at different points with different types of people at different stages in their buying uh, process. So the answer to that is yes, all of them is what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And most people won't. And I see sometimes uh, the argument for, well, nobody in my industry does that. So that's probably your easiest win then. If you start doing something, do you know what I think would be great if people started doing now in their marketing? Go ahead. Like lumpy mail. Like start using lumpy mail and doing oh, like physical mail. Yeah. Yeah. Junk mail was absolutely rinsed. No one was asked about it. No one gets that anymore, really. No one gets lumpy mail. Something valuable or is sort of eye catching or that type of thing now. Guerrilla marketing. That's another tactic. I've just done a a video on the 10 pound gorilla marketing stunt that I did that generated a hundred thousand pounds worth of business. Um, that stuff your competitors aren't doing, but everybody's doing digital marketing. Everyone's sponsoring events. Everyone's doing all this bullshit, but it becomes noisy and you don't stand out. So you want to win, especially if you're an SME startup, small business entrepreneur, you want to win the small battles and win enough of them and you'll get huge results. The problem, I think, with a lot of people is they want to go and win wars with people that are far, far above them and further along the process. And you're on, you're on a hiding to nothing. Yeah, yeah. I guess but they just see the the big boys in the industry and perhaps think they're they're doing this on their marketing or they're on these channels. They're putting out this kind of content. Let's yeah, copy you it. should be aware of that. You should be aware of that. But it's it's on a on the ground level is when you win is when you win those battles. You know that's how you know guerrilla wars are fought. Think of that with your marketing and how you position your um, business. And that's what most people like, by the way. Most people like that. Look at Brewdog. Perfect example. The support for Brewdog. People were buying shares in that, invest in that company at the beginning when they were with the plucky startup that was going to take on the big breweries. Now they are the big brewery and look at that, look at the hassle they get. Yeah. You see what I mean? <laughs> it, it, in a strange way, it's harder work, but it's more satisfying and easier. I think when you're small, you can quickly do things. You can quickly try things. You've not got multiple decision makers to go through to make marketing decisions, try new products, test a few things. You're in such a unique and lucky position 
by almost not having unlimited budget and unlimited resources, you kind of do things better and cheaper and has a bigger impact, I believe. But it is just my yeah. view and my opinion. I am welcome to other people's opinions and I will test them. I think that's probably the best way to be, especially if you're a startup. Like, I mean, you can you can mess around with certain channels, whether it's LinkedIn, Twitter, Insta, YouTube. You can put out pieces of content for a while. You can see what performs. You can test different things, whether that's outbound messaging, direct mail, whatever what? it is. See what works, and you don't have to get approval from corporate. So that's an interesting standpoint. I mean, you can move fast, like you say, and, and try that out. Cool. Um, Look, Mike, I think we've covered some good ground. We've we've covered the A to Z, really, of how to grow an audience online, how to attract the the right kind of people you want to do business with, put out content that they're going to enjoy, that they're going to be searching for, and then turn that into cash in the bank. Any final points to wrap up today, sir? Uh, not really. If you think anything I've said resonates with you and you'd like help on it with your business, I've got a group where we do those three things. We teach you how to identify your ideal client, um, grow your audience of your ideal client, how to market those people better, and then how to close those sales and leads that you are generating. And like I said, this is from experience of having grown, scaled, and sold a business myself, having done organic marketing, and then trying stuff with paid ads and stuff like that. So come and join viewsaremyown.social. It is free to subscribe if you just want the monthly content. If you want the weekly content, you do have to pay £12.50. You can write it off so you don't have to give that money to the tax man. Give it me instead. There you go. And we'll put if you don't make links. more than £12.50 worth, £12. worth of extra business from that, um, you're an idiot. It's on you. There you go. Well, we'll put those links over on the site, businessgrowth.marketing. And with that, Mike, thanks very much. Always a no pleasure. Enjoy the chat. Yeah, and just say to anybody that's watching this, I'm not on LinkedIn anymore. So if you want to follow me there, that's the place Ooh, to find me. Say say that again, Mike. It just broke off. So Mike underscore Winit on Twitter, if you want to follow that, or follow Views Are My Own on LinkedIn. That is the business page. Nice one, sir. And as always, cool. if you enjoyed the show, a quick rating on Apple Podcasts is much appreciated. Or if you're on YouTube, a quick subscribe. We share actual marketing tips each and every week to help you grow your business and your revenue. And with that, we should catch you on the next one. Cheers.